Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You've been hunting hard, and the animal you're looking for walks right out in front of you. What do you do? On this episode, we're going to talk about how to manage the adrenaline rush in order to keep from messing up and capitalize on this opportunity. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the New Hunter's Guide, the podcast and YouTube channel helping new hunters get started and helping active hunters learn new things. I'm your host, George Kanitas, and today we're going to talk about how do you deal with the adrenaline rush that occurs when the animal you're looking for walks right out into view. Now, a lot of people don't understand what happens in these moments if you've not been there uh, but I'm going to try to break it down for you just a little bit and introduce, you know, what happens and why it happens. So for hunting, there's a big buildup. For most hunting seasons, for big game especially, there's a big buildup. Oftentimes people look forward to it for months, half a year. They're working towards it, scouting, putting time in, research, study, listening to podcast episodes like this trying to up their game and be ready for their first time, their second time, their 300th time in the woods. It doesn't matter. All this happens. There's this buildup. You're out there. Maybe you've been hunting for days. Maybe you've been hunting for weeks. You know, you're dragging yourself out of bed. You're pulling yourself away from other stuff. You just want to rest. You want to take a nap. But whatever it is, the thrill of the hunt, the, the crave to be successful, to get that deer, to get that turkey, to get that antelope, whatever you're after, just keeps pulling you. You're in the woods, and then boom, all of a sudden, everything comes together. You find them. That big buck walks right out in front of you. It's at perfect range. You know, beyond any doubt, you can make the shot, but... There is this surge of adrenaline. Some people call it buck fever. They've got all kinds of different names for it. 
but you're sitting there, your heart's racing, your hands can start to shake, some people's vision gets blurry, they go to, to shoulder their weapon, and there have been time after time where experienced hunters, seasoned hunters, shoot at the antlers, right? Miss the entire animal. They hit the antlers, just can't even control themselves while they're taking a shot. Could be at 30 yards. Don't even realize the crosshair's not on the body. It's on the antlers and they pull the trigger. Don't even know what happened, right? There's just this, this moment that can overtake you. It really can. Now it does. It's not that severe for everybody. That's 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 you know an exaggerated example, but at the same time, you know you can be your mind can be racing a hundred miles an hour. You know what do you do? People forget to shoulder their weapon. People forget to take the shot. People freeze up, or people lift the gun and, and just shoot without aiming. Or what's most common? You lift the gun, you put it there, and man, you're shaking, you're wobbling, crosshairs going up and down, back and forth, having a hard time making a decision. When do you pull the trigger? Do you pull the trigger? All these kind of things and more can factor in to the hunt, to your experience, and, and to what's going on right in front of you. And this may be one of the biggest things that attributes to failed hunts. Um, you know, people, they get the opportunity and they mess up. You know, I've talked about in the past, you know, you only need to take so many bullets with you, right? Because you usually, you either take the game down on the first round, or if you've got a fire, you know, more than a couple times, chances are, you know, there's just no chance. It's just not going to happen for turkey hunting, especially the third shell all the third shell does is let every other hunter in the woods know that you missed with the first and the second shell. That's that's pretty much all it does. For deer hunting, you know, almost never are you going to get more than two shots. The only times that that even happens is if you miss completely and the animal is confused, doesn't know what happened and starts eating again. That's happened. I've known people that have fired four shots, missed all of them, at uh, you know 60 yards and the animal's just confused it, it, it doesn't know if that was thunder it's not sure what's going on it just keeps eating just keeps grazing now that is usually not the case but it's hunting these are wild animals anything can happen now the big question is how they miss four times at 60 yards with a high-powered rifle with a scope shouldn't be possible doesn't matter what shooting position you're in how does that happen? Well, it happens because of this adrenaline rush. It happens because your aim can go to nothing. It happens because the gun is shaking so bad, you're so excited, you don't know what to do, you're not sure how to control it, and, and, and people just start pulling triggers. That's, the, that's how a lot of the times these things happen. You know, for someone who has just even mediocre experience, with a rifle, with a scope, you ought not be able to miss a deer at 60 yards. Okay, shouldn't be possible. Even shooting standing, offhand, no rest, you ought to be able to hit a deer. I mean, maybe you don't hit him in the best spot, but at least hit the deer from that range. Okay, it's not an expert shot by any means. And if you're in the woods hunting, you ought to be able to make that shot. If not, you ought to be practicing more. But 
people miss it all the time. And they miss it because their, their, their eyes are foggy, their visions, their, their, their hands are shaky. This is what's going on. So how do you deal with that? Okay, you know about it. How do you deal with it? How do you improve that? What can you do to improve your ability to, to do this? Well, you're talking about improving your ability to act under pressure. You're talking about your ability to, to cope with adrenaline. You're talking about your ability to remain focused, cool-headed, and to make rational decisions in, in quick periods of time and then take physical action with a, a skillful initiative. Okay, it's not just, okay, I've got to make a decision. I, I have to physically get my body to do something now. You know, with a rifle, it's about, you know, getting that crosshair or, or that sight on the target, keeping it from shaking too much. When you get to a bow, it becomes way more complicated. This is a much more physical action you've got to take. So what do you do in order to, to, to improve that? Well, it comes with practice. It comes with practice, it comes with experience, and it comes with intentional effort. It doesn't come with experience alone. A measure of it does. A measure of it does. But that's not the way you're going to make the greatest gains, and that's not the way you're going to be able to train. Okay, Because you, you can't train for this moment by going off in the off season and hunting deer because you can't hunt them, right? You, you got to find another way to train in order to prepare yourself. Sure, experience can happen after seasons and years, and, and that's, that's to be expected, but you're only going to get so much from raw experience because there's hunters that have hunted for 30 years and they've taken 30 deer, and now this one walks out and whoa, this is a big one. They are shaking in their boots, you know, and they, they do have the same issues. They have the same error. So pure experience alone doesn't solve it. You've got to do more than that. And what you need to do is practice putting yourself in positions to take action in stressful and even unexpected circumstances. Now that's going to be a little different for everybody, right? What gets your adrenaline pumping, what gets you afraid even, is not going to be the same thing that gets somebody else's adrenaline pumping or gets them in that condition, right? This is going to differ some from person to person. So I'm going to list a couple of things here, uh, things that have helped me and then some things in general, and some of those may apply to you. Some of them may give you ideas for things that apply to you, all right? So it, it may not be a one-to-one, -one, but if you catch the essence of it, then you can find your way, you can find your path, you can find what works for you. Okay, so a lot of people, they dread public speaking more than anything else. It's a scientific fact. I, don't, I didn't look up the stats, but I have seen them in the past. A large number of people view speaking in public as the most terrifying thing that they could ever do, have to do, or be asked to do. Well, that's perfect. Because that is going to get that same adrenaline, that same fear factor type response in action in, in, in order to do that. 
So what you ought to do is if that's you, you can practice for hunting by pushing yourself to do public speaking. Okay? You can practice for hunting by putting yourself in those situations and those kind of circumstances by pushing yourself into doing it. Because what you're doing is you're learning to cope with those feelings. You're learning to cope with that reaction. You know, and a lot of times you have this this sort of mild dread until it's the moment to stand up and walk in front of people and open your mouth. Right? And at that moment, the adrenaline starts pumping, your vision starts getting blurry, your hands start shaking, you're nervous. That's the same feelings. That's the same physical response that you are working to master and to improve on, right? That's the same kind of stuff. And if you can master it in that arena, if you can learn what to do and how to do it and how to cope and how to hold yourself together and how to not just speak, but eventually speak coherently and then not just speak coherently, but speak well, you begin to tame your 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 fight or flight response kind of thing. Okay, so you know, for example, you know, how does a hunter who's hunted for 30 years find themselves in this position and they still have that same, you know, adrenaline response to the point where it's overwhelming and they're not able to even make a shot that, you know, a 10-year-old should be able to make. Well, oftentimes, and you guys, I'm just going to call it like it is, oftentimes hunters People who, who tend to be lifelong hunters, um, just just by sheer demographic nature, tend to not be outgoing, social, in front of people, putting themselves in situations. They they're, tend to be more laid back, more in the country, further away from uh, a lot of these kinds of social stressors and things like that. And, and the, the long story short, they just do not put themselves in situations with any regularity where they need to grapple with and master these kinds of feelings and, and these kinds of physical responses. In fact, happens once a year when they're deer hunting. And that's it. So sure, they've hunted for 30 years, but they've only have grappled with this once a year. Whereas someone who is maybe... Uh, you know, more engaged in, in other areas and other c- circles of life. Maybe you've got to speak professionally for your job. Maybe you speak in front of kids. Maybe you're, you know, involved speaking at your church. Whatever the case may be, these folks are grappling with this same stuff on a much more regular basis. And they've actually made more progress at it in just a couple years without hunting at all, than the person who's hunted for 30 years. And when they feel those feelings and that adrenaline and all that start to kick up, they've developed a way to deal with it and and manage that and keep that under control and keep a cool head. Because it's the same physiological response from other things. So one thing that has really helped me, which I doubt will help most of you, but Again, I'm going to share it because it's my story and it may open your eyes to things in your life that you could then engage with is, you know, years ago, I trained in a school of martial arts for, you know, 
somewhere around four years total when I was in college. Not as a child, when I was in college. And we trained, you know, pretty hard, pretty often. You know, we were multiple three, four days, nights a week, every week, all the time, always training. We'd go to tournaments. We'd drive across the country to go to tournaments. We'd do testing. We would do special training camps. We would do all kinds of things. I mean, for years and year after year after year after year. Well, in that system of martial arts, in that experience, we were constantly put in situations and positions where we had to do things we were not comfortable with. All right. I can remember, you know, time and time again, being called out and, and, you know, march to the front of the class and now do this now immediately. Don't think, just do it. And there've been times where I was asked to do something I have never done before. Things that I could not, you know, in, in my own mind, did not think I was even able to do, but you couldn't say no. Right? It, was too old, it was too old school to be able to say no. You could not say no. No was not an option. No was a very painful response. may not be painful that moment, but the pain was going to come one way or another shortly thereafter. You could not say no. All you could say was, sir, yes, sir, and then stand up and do it. And if you flubbed, you flubbed. You know, If you just messed up and fell on your face, you just picked your face up and you did it again. And, you know, it was not comfortable. It was not even always necessarily reasonable. But it didn't matter. You, you did what you were told to do, and that was the end of it. You know, there were times where, you know, we'd be at a, doing a demonstration, and I would get called out of, you know, 60 people. You, come to the front and grab some other people, and they're going to hold this piece of wood six feet off the ground. And you need to run, jump, spin around, and kick this piece of wood. And I'm sitting there like, I have never done that before. I, I have never, you know, even done that technique, that particular, what they're asking me to do, let alone try to kick a piece of wood while I'm doing it. And sitting there going, yeah, it doesn't matter. Don't have time to think about it because they're standing up. They're holding, they're, I've got five seconds to, to just, okay, grab it, bite my lip, and then just run, jump, spin, and hope I don't kick somebody in the face. And you have this surge of adrenaline and, and nerves and dread and you blow it so many times. But in time, after years, you just, you learn, you become conditioned to deal with that response. You just, you grab hold of that adrenaline, you grab hold of that rush. You, you've, you've competed in so many tournaments You've competed in so many different things. You've done so many tests. You've done so many, uh, you know, demonstrations. You just become conditioned to deal with that adrenaline, to deal with those nerves, to deal with the unexpected, to deal with the uncomfortable, and to deal with the impossible. And you just become conditioned to it. To the point where I remember one day I went to... It was a Saturday, you know, every three, four, five, six months, they, you know, they would shake it up, you know, time for you to be tested for your next rank. So I remember going in one day to be tested. So I, you know, sit down, ready for the test, know, know my material, you know, what I'm supposed to be tested on, um, practice, ready, feel good about it. So what did they do? Just test me? No, that would be too easy. 
They knew I was prepared. Okay. You like somehow I could see it in my eyes. Oh, he's prepared. Call on him. Call you to the front of the room. Okay. Turn around. Now you administer the test to everybody else in the room. You're like, what? What do you mean me administer the test? You go person by person and you call the commands and tell them to do the drills and order them to do, you know, the different things that they need to do to be tested. And that's your test. You've got to now become the teacher and teach all these other people. And they're all looking at you like, oh no, could this get any worse? Right? Does he even know the words to say? Like I, they, but Hey, that's that, that, that was the X factor, both for me and for everybody else in the room to make everybody uncomfortable. Because if it was just that easy, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't prove anything. It wouldn't help you. It wouldn't build anything extra in you to do it. So you know, we would do things like that. And things like that happened to me. And not just once or twice or three times. I mean, constantly over the course of years. You know, drive across the country, compete in a tournament against people that you've never seen or heard of, and they're way better than you. And you're expected to win. And if you don't win, you're going to have to answer for it. And you're like, what? What is going on? And uh, I mean, just thing after thing after thing like that to the point where you just, you, you, you just conditioned like, okay, do this impossible thing. Sure. Go ahead. Do that. All right. No problem. Do this. Sure thing. I remember one day I was at work and, uh, my, my boss at the time was a, uh, retired Marine and, you know, former serviceman. He had fought in Vietnam and, uh, he was, uh, you know, some rank of leadership. I don't recall at the moment, but you know, he would tell us that, you know, there'd be all, all, all kind of things would happen at work. And most people, they'd get all crazy and, you know, freaked out and flustered. And what do we do? What do we do? That's impossible. We can't do it. You know, and this guy was cut from a different cloth. And every now and then he'd pull some of us young guys aside and he'd say something like, you know, when I was in the Marines, you know, they'd, they'd point at us, say, okay, you see that hill over there with a thousand guys on it? Go take that hill. And you've got, you know, you're out of ammo, and all you have is a bayonet, and what are you going to do? He said, not one time ever did we even think in our minds to say, no, we can't do that. You just say, that hill? Sure, piece of cake. There's five of us, a thousand of them, they've got guns, we've got spears, no problem. He said, that was our answer. Didn't matter what we were asked to do. You didn't even think of saying no. You just looked at it as, yeah, no problem. We can do that. Sure, they were just drilled and pushed and practiced and thrown out of their comfort zone so many times. And, you know, their commanding officer told them to do something. And they just assumed they could do it. Just because they said to do it, they just, for whatever, just... Yeah, sure. No problem. We got that. We'll go take that hill right now. Be back in 10 minutes. You know, that was their attitude. And I don't know that that was everybody's attitude, but that's that was the company that he came up in. And he always worked to try to impart that attitude into us. You know, I was in his office one day and somebody came in talking about, you know, writing a book and how, you know, they, they didn't know how they could do it in a year. For whatever reason, some project, some invitation to write a book. You know, they had a one-year timeline to write the book and present the manuscript to the publisher. And they were freaking out. They're like, I got a year. I don't know how to do this. 
It's too much work. It's not possible. There's no way I can get this done. I'm busy. I've got other things going on. Eventually, that person all freaked out and tweaked out, walked out of the room, and he turned to look at us. And you, you always knew when Doc turned to look at you, he had something to say that was borderlining hilarious, inspiring, encouraging, and also a kick in the pants at the same time. It was some mix of that, sometimes more things, more of one than the other. He looked at us and he would just shake his head. He said, he said, it's just a book. You know, we're sitting there like, you know, we're listening to all this. And, and you know, in my mind, I'm going, yeah, man, I don't know how you could write a book in a year. That's just crazy. Like some people need their whole lifetime to write a book. And then he looks at us and he goes, guys, it's just a book. He says, it's just a book. He said, we needed to write a book. No problem. Put another pot of coffee on, lock the door, stay here for the weekend, crank out a book. We have it done by Monday with the rough draft. And we're sitting there looking at each other like, are you serious? Like to him, it was like, yeah, okay. It's going to take some work. Put some coffee on, lock the door. We'll just give a weekend towards it and do nothing else for 72 hours. Just the three of us. We'll have a book done by Monday. No problem. No problem. And it'll probably be better than the one that they take a year to write because they're just going to stress out for a year and then we're going to be focused and drilled and diligent and get it done. And then, you know, that's the hard part. So there was this mentality of just constantly being pushed out of your comfort zone. And the more you're out of your comfort zone, the more comfortable you become out of your comfort zone. Does that make any sense? The more time you spend outside of your comfort zone, the more comfortable you become out of your comfort zone. When I first started hunting, I was terrified of heights. Terrified of heights. Hated heights. I mean, literally would get like just borderline dizzy, nauseous, horrified of heights. The idea of hunting in a tree stand just made me want to gag. So I had hunt on the ground and hunt on the ground and and I was not good at hunting on the ground. You can be good at hunting on the ground. I'm reasonably good at it now, but at the time I had no idea what I was doing. Didn't have this podcast to tune in to 175 episodes about hunting in order to get my bearings and, and understand the general lay of the land. And, you know, just as, after a couple years of having no luck, I decided, you know what, it is better... To sit in a tree and feel nauseous being off the ground and have a chance than to keep doing this like this. So I eventually got a tree stand, got it set up. I remember climbing up this tree stand, just shaking, like, what am I going to do? Trying to get it strapped to the tree and finally get up there, sit down, clip in your safety harness. Always use the safety harness, guys. Always, 100% of the time. I remember sitting there, you know, just like holding on for dear life, you know, white knuckled, holding on to my rifle for half an hour and an hour. Sun comes up. That's not so bad. By noon, actually kind of comfortable up here. End of the day, got to climb down. That's a little hair raising, but two, three, four hunts like that, not all in a row, but two, three, four hunts. It didn't bother me at all. I mean, I was maybe just a little a little jittery the first 15 minutes I got up there. But after that, I was comfortable. I was fine. And at this point, I have basically no fear of heights. 
pretty much. I mean, like, I, you know, I don't like being off the ground. I don't like dangling over the open nothing, but climbing up into a tree stand doesn't really bother me at all. I, I could sit in a tree stand all day, climbing up, climbing down, getting situated, doing whatever. No, it's not even a thing for me anymore because I spent so much time outside of my comfort zone that I became comfortable there. So, you know, that actually was one thing also that helped me with the, the adrenaline response some. You know, other things. So for years, well, I don't know how many years it's been. It's been a number of years at my church. You know, out of nowhere, my pastor would be like, hey, get up here and, and, and speak about this. Talk about this. You know, pray about that. Here, here's the microphone. Tell people about this. And I'm sitting here like, What? What are you talking about? He's like, I don't know anything about that. I don't have anything about that. I have nothing to say about that. I've got, you know, you're just like deer in the headlights. But I've been trained from years of martial arts. You can't say no. You can't say it's impossible. You can't say I'm not able. There's only one acceptable response, and that is, sir, yes, sir, get up and do it well. So I was like, okay, grab the microphone, get up there and... Just come up with something to say. And real quickly, I came to the conclusion, I need to prepare some things and just be ready for this if this is going to keep happening. But it was a stretching. It was a growing. It was a learning experience. It was something that helped me develop, helped me you know, get outside of my comfort zone, get outside of my shell, think bigger, be more prepared for things. You know, it's like I had a measure of that training from martial arts and then in front of people on a stage at church, whole nother measure was yet to be discovered that, that I could grow and develop in. Couple that with, you know, some other things and heights and all of that and reach a point where you become comfortable outside of so many comfort zones, so many situations that caused you anxiety there have been many times at work I'd have to present, do a presentation, talk in front of people, convince people of a particular recommendation or situation or whatever the case may be. And, you know, the first couple times, first couple years, you know, your stomach is in knots and you're just like, ah, you know, all the people in the room, some of these people have outstanding credentials and now you've got to get up and be that guy. And, you know, didn't like it just, but... The more you do it, the more you, you just you learn to manage that adrenaline response. You get better at it. Today, you know, after years of all this stuff, notice very little of that was hunting experience. That was other experience. And today, after years and years and years of all those things, you know, when a deer walks out, when a turkey walks out, when whatever comes out, you know, I am very well focused. I, I'm very calm. I very much have it together. I've got a game plan. You know, yeah, there's a rush of adrenaline, but uh, you know, I've just I I I I've I, I can't say I've consciously say, well guys, this is just what I do. I just grab a hold of it and take control of the situation and I'm amazing. Well no that's that's not what's going on. I wish I could say that was the case, but that's not it. It's just that those same feelings come up and I just take action like I've been trained to take action. I just step up like I've been trained to step up. I just do like I've been trained to do, like I practice doing. 
I just feel those feelings. And what do you do when those feelings come? You perform. You just do what you're, you've practiced doing. You, you, take and you just step into the moment, into the adrenaline. And okay, what am I going to do here? All right. Animals walking. When they reach this point, I'm going to draw. I'm going to lift. I'm going to aim. And then I'm going to squeeze that trigger. Or I'm going to let that arrow fly. Or I'm going to pull that release. Whatever the case may be. And, you know, I've gotten quite good at it. I wouldn't say I've mastered it, but I've gotten quite proficient at it. But very little of that proficiency came as a result of hunting experience. It came from other things. And I'm not going to tell you I don't still get nervous. I'm not going to tell you I don't have that rush of adrenaline. I'm not going to tell you my hands never shake at all. But it's something that I've, I've... had to, been forced to, been thrown into so many situations to master that physiological response. Maybe master is not the right word. Just take action in spite of it, that it's not overpowering for me like it used to be. You know, when I was younger, uh, you know, they're, 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 you know, you got to get up on stage and speak. I might just collapse into the stage. Not even joking. You just black out, don't even know what to do. And there's a lot of hunters. They may have hunted for 30 years, but they've never put themselves or never been forced into situations like that where they've had to grapple with those feelings more than once a year, ever. So they've, you know, they, they've only dealt with that 30 times in 30 years. And here I've spent, you know, one year where I had to deal with it 100 times. So in one year, I had more experience dealing with dealing with it than they did in an entire lifetime of hunting. So it's not something that is just relegated to hunting. It can be. If you hunt a lot, if, if you put yourself in a lot of these situations, then of course you're going to get that, that experience by doing that. But most people don't hunt that much. Most people aren't professional hunters. Most people aren't traveling states, you know, burning through a dozen deer tags in a year and a dozen turkey tags and going up and down the coast and all these kind of things, you know, they're not hunting that much. They're not doing that. So you've got to find that experience. You've got to find a way to push that envelope. You've got to find the border of your comfort zone other ways. And I think a lot of times, you know, that's, that's easier to do than it is to get in the woods and, and find the game that you've spent all season trying to get in front of. Um, also, it's a reason why we see some newer hunters coming onto the scene who are quite good at this. They've never hunted. They can't find a deer. They don't know where to hunt. But by golly, if a deer walks out in front of them, the nerves are not a problem. Everything else is their problem, but not their nerves because their job, their career, their hobbies, their personal life, whatever it was, has put them in those kind of situations so many times that even more than me, and they, they find themselves in that situation in the woods, and they feel the adrenaline, they, they feel the hair stand up on the back of their neck, they, they, can, they can hear their heart beating, you know, through their ears and just pounding, but they, for them to draw and sight in and take action and be focused is no issue, because they've been in that situation so many times. You know, they not, might not remember how to shoot the gun, but that's just because they're so inexperienced. But they're good at that part of it because 
They've had training and practice and focus and didn't realize that that skill set obtained through work or hobbies or whatever was going to translate into that moment of hunting. So guys, I want to encourage you, look for ways to get outside your comfort zone, to practice this on a regular basis. doesn't have to be every day, doesn't have to be every week, but it should be something that on a regular, and this does not just help you with hunting. This is a life skill. This is bigger than hunting. You know, this is something that helps, can help you in your job, can help you in your personal life, can help you anywhere that you go. Because the more you're able to deal with and perform in these moments, in these situations, uh, the, the more effective you're going to be whenever those kind of situations come up in life. There's an emergency. When there's, you know, your boss calls you up and puts you on the spot. When something happens and, and there's nobody there to, to take charge and, and you're the guy because you're the only one that's got the nerve to stand up and say, okay, guys, we got to do something. You know, it, this is something that can serve you constantly in life uh, and it goes far beyond hunting. So I want to encourage you, think about that. Be mindful of that. Don't shy away from things that take you out of your comfort zone. Intentionally embrace them from time to time you know realize that in improving and excelling facing that adrenaline response has wide range of help and and things and use and utility in your life and can enable you to do and perform at a higher level and in the stressful moments and in emergency moments where you've got to be able to do that and i also want to encourage you guys make sure you head to iTunes and leave a five-star review with a comment on this show because it's the number one way to help get this show out to more people and get it in front of more hunters. Would really appreciate your help with that. It, 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 it's a big deal. It matters a lot to me. I hope it matters to you also. And uh, you know, head to the website, newhuntersguide.com. Check out the show notes. We'd love to hear from you directly. Would love you to send me an email. Would love to hear your comments, your questions, testimonies. Would love to hear about the last game that you took. You know, I read every message that comes in and I respond to every respond to everyone that's legitimate. Right? Spam. I, I'm not obligated to respond to spam. But every real message I take seriously and love hearing from you guys. Would love ideas for future shows, things that you think would be good to, to talk about or to focus in more on, stuff like that. So till next time, I really appreciate you guys. God bless you and go get them in the woods. <laughs>